He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. So I think one of the first things we decided is we wanted the platform to be very accessible. So you can be in public mode or private mode when you build a bunking pod. So if you're in public mode, that means it shows up on the marketplace. So anybody can go on the marketplace, have a look around, but as soon as they want to either message a host or check availability or look at somebody's profile, they have to sign up. And it's a four-step verification process that we're using. Akata is the platform that we're currently using to do that. And it's a well-known platform. So we're basically making sure that people are real and they've got a kind of a footprint or a fingerprint or whatever you want to say in the social world, I guess you would say. So that's what it's checking. And we set a minimum score to allow them in. So I'd say that's like the first barrier that we have. The other thing we have is if somebody's looking at a bunking pod, especially going back to like my daughter, which is really the target persona, mm-hmm. there's a women's safety score of zero out of a hundred. So they get to see that. So that area, they get a sense like a lady would get to see how safe is that. So I think that's an, another important factor. You're getting to see other people's profile. Once you request to join a pod and you're in a pod, Now you can see people's profiles, so you're getting to know people, which I think gives you a level of feeling safer, right? So at least you've got a sense. And if you want to join a pod where the host has made it a rule that, hey, nobody can join my pod without having a successful criminal background check done in their bunking profile. There's a lot of people with our research that showed, yeah, like they would want to only join pods where they know everybody's been vetted from that standpoint. So it's like another level of protection. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. Sorry for the slight break in publishing. I was out at a conference in Nashville, and it was amazing. The STR Wealth Conference put on by my friend Mike Shogren, Bill Faith, and many others that you've probably heard on the podcast. We're all there in Nashville for a great week of fun and learning and education, and it's just amazing week. So I'm finally back. My throat and voice have recovered from all the yelling and talking in loud venues. And this episode is really exciting because it's going to debunk the thought or the thinking that we have behind co-living and co-travel with COVID, you know, becoming so rampant in the early 2020 days. This was something that I thought would never return when it came to travel. Yet now, Steve his company, and many others I've talked to in the industry have proven that actually co-living, co-travel, this type of matchmaker traveling relationship is thriving more than ever. And people are really seeking out this. And so you'll hear me and Steve talk about how people need people. We need connection. We need to feel you know, be surrounded by like-minded communities. And it's just a really cool episode. And Steve's got a really cool story. So I hope you enjoyed the episode and I'll let you get to it. 
Is technology considered overwhelming for you, or do you feel like it's just so difficult to keep up with the latest hardware and software technology? With so many different products, it can be hard to manage pricing, bookings, guest communication, accounting, channel management, and the list just goes on. Journey is making complicated technology accessible for short-term rental owners and operators alike. Journey has complete end-to-end products and a unified platform available for any stage of your business within hospitality. So if you book a demo and sign up for Journey in any of their products, you'll receive 10 free smart locks for your property. Go to journey.com, that's J-U-R-N-Y.com to book a demo and select Hospitality FM or Slick Talk from the drop-down menu. We love partnering with Journey and this is a killer offer that you can't refuse so with that being said back to the episode and thank you for listening all right everybody welcome back to another episode of slick talk the hospitality podcast i'm your host will slickers and today i have steve cody who is the founder of bunking so very excited to dive into what bunking is and uh, to hear a little bit more about your story but thank you steve for joining me on the podcast Thank you very much for having me on. Very much appreciated. Of course. Well, this is a, I think I've said this, what, three or four or five, maybe more times now on the show. Uh, this episode has been a long time in the making. You and I have been chatting for, I would say, a couple months and got to chat with you a little bit when I was down in Mexico and uh, just to see updates and, and hear more because I find what you guys are doing really interesting. Uh, but before we get into the big question, what is bunking? Uh, we're going to dive into your story a little bit. So what is your background prior to creating bunking.com? Yeah, well, I mean, lifelong entrepreneur, uh, kind of started really, I think when I was 15 years old, um, very dyslexic. So school was not my friend. Uh, my grandfather, he was determined I'd go to university. So he put $10 a month in the bank for me and he had done that for many, many years and uh, that was going to pay for my university or part of my university. And uh, I can remember in grade 10, uh, you know, going to him and saying, look, at that time, there was $1,200 built up. And uh, I said, I want to start a window cleaning company, kind of take out the uh, $1,200 and, you know, basically buy a squeegee bucket and a ladder. And, uh, you know, he definitely wasn't happy hearing that at first, but my grandmother gave him a little bit of heck, got the 1200 bucks. <laughs> And uh, started a window cleaning company. So I think, you know, the window cleaning company was kind of my, like, I didn't even know. I just, for me, it was just a way of making money, right? So it was like trying to make a living. And uh, so there wasn't a lot of research done because it didn't take me long to find out I was scared of heights. So that was kind of my first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, that's, that's where the entrepreneur journey started. Um, Kind of went from there, you know, we were renting swing stages, these machines that came down the side of buildings, we'd be renting them from other people. And I'm thinking like, why don't I just buy them and I start renting them out. And so we got into the swing stage rental business, picked up a spider dealership, like they were the best in the world. And, you know, same thing, people, we were renting scaffolding at the time to access different areas. And I'm like, well, why don't I start buying my own scaffolding and I'll start a scaffold rental business. And that went into a lift equipment business, scissor lifts and booms, got into the Bobcat rental business, um, sold, 
think the kind of, you know, at that time, kind of a pinnacle for me was selling <clears throat> the Lyft and the Bobcat business to Hertz. They were owned by Ford Motor Company at the, at the time. And that was on my 30th birthday. So that was kind of cool doing that. I went down to New York and uh, my wife had planned a birthday party. So I had to be back that night. We were waiting <laughs> to keep the fly. So we had to tail it back <laughs> after signing the deal. So, yeah. And then, you know, just many things after that, really, that have uh, kind of led to where I am today. So six different rental companies bought and sold, service businesses. Um, I think kind of the, probably the biggest I don't know, like struggle or pivotal moment for us was 2013, our son passed away and uh, I ended up in bed for about nine months. We had uh, three companies on the go at the time. So we had Cody Party Rentals, we had franchises across the country, Monster Halloween, we had like 26 temporary locations, you know, the, the Halloween stores that open up for Halloween. And we had just yeah. started a franchise operation called Cody Mobile, so mobile auto detailing and other things. And that was going quite well, but uh, when I end up in bed, you're an entrepreneur, you got a lot of balls juggling and uh, balls start falling. And uh, so we had to have fire sales and yeah, so that kind of, so we, we sold off our three companies and kind of got out of that. And uh, we had built tech to help run those businesses and uh, ended up taking, I knew nothing about tech, but ended up taking that technology and turning it into a product. So that's how I got into technology. So and sorry to hear about the loss of your son. Um, you know, the, did the Hertz, like all the rental companies go before all of that? And then you guys were creating these other businesses just from that, or was that, uh, at simultaneously? Yeah. I mean, there, we, I mean, there were some rentals before Hertz, uh, took a year off. Cause I mean, I had worked really hard. Uh, so, yeah. you know, we had four kids at the time, so I wanted to get to know them. Um, my mother was getting married, uh, had to go rent some tables and chairs. And I thought, man, that yeah. was a horrible experience. So I said, I think I'm going to start a party rental company. So that's when we started uh, Cody party rentals, you know, uh, we had sold that system after Nick passed, but we ended up buying back the original location. So we've had it for 23 mm. years. Um, you know, started a, a linen rental business, um, mm. Rockify, which was a, it's a rent anything marketplace, um, you know, so different. Yeah. So there, I mean, I love rentals and I think, you know, when we talk about bunking, I think bunking is a lot about rentals. It's a lot about bringing people together and yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, cause you, you come from a interesting perspective and interest, interesting space when it comes to equipment rentals, yeah, you building a, a technology platform on the back end to now getting into vacation rentals through bunking, um, which is very fascinating to me because you, I don't, I don't know if you've ever operated a short-term rental before. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. See, I, I love that though because it, it brings like such a, a different perspective. It brings out such a different point of view than those who have operated, right? Like I think, and you kind of said this off screen, was that you've been able to you know, the, the perks of not having VC funding, right. Is to go at your own pace, go when you feel like it's ready, get the feedback that you need, um, in order to make the product better for the operator, for the guest, for your team, all the above. Um, so now that we're, we're jumping into it, a lifelong entrepreneur happens to a way to, you know, to find your way into short-term rentals through this creative outlet. What is bunking and how did this come about, um, 
for you guys to be like, ah, there's something here. There's something that we can take, you know, take on. Yeah, well, it definitely didn't start like that. It just, it started really with more of a family problem. So son and daughter, 23, 26, they had this great idea. You know, they were going to head to this surf town. They wanted to go for three months. They were going to work from there, live from there, kind of do everything from there. Until they found out the cheapest place they could get on a temporary basis was $6,000 a month. Uh, so they could not afford that. And uh, so anyways, I suggested, I said, well, you know, rent the place and then go to Craigslist, Facebook marketplace, you know, rent out the extra couches, rent out the extra rooms and you kind of get enough people in there, you know, you could live for free. And uh, then my daughter kind of looks up at me and she says, well, what about axe murders and how are people going to pay? <laughs> so I was like, okay, you, you know, so those were concerns and the axe murder thing was obviously a you know, bigger concern. Um, and I'd never been part of that world. So we just kind of went online yeah. to say, yeah, where do, where do you, where can you find out about, you know, if you're traveling with strangers or living with strangers, like where do they get vetted? Like, how do you know you're not living with an ax murder? And, uh, like I was really shocked to see that we couldn't find anything. So that was interesting, but it wasn't, it didn't really, it was just, it just seemed like an odd problem at the time, but then it got more interesting. Uh, my daughter, she's a TikTok influencer. And she's Which like, I've seen a lot of her TikToks pop up. I've seen a lot of her TikToks pop up on my For You page randomly. I was like, what the heck? I know that guy. Yeah. She just like shows up out of the blue, like say something. And then like you're on TikTok anyways. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So it's too good. So she's a TikTok influencer. She's like, you know what? If we're going to live in this place for three months, I want to do collaborative living. And I'm like, what the hell is collaborative living? <laughs> and she's there, well, that's where TikTokers get together and, you know, they live together, they collaborate and do content and all this stuff. And she was showing me content houses in LA and I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of cool. Uh, and then my son, he's a product manager in tech and he's like, hang on a second. I never have an office to go back to. So if I'm going to live with people for three months, I want to live with people from technology. Like I want to learn, I want to mentor. Mm. And I think that's kind of like when the aha moment kicked in, I'm like, Man, this is like theme living, something I had never even considered. But yeah. it made a lot of sense, right, with the flexibility we have. So kind of went away and thought about it. And the word bunking or bunk had come up anyway, so my daughter had said. So I, I, I registered the domain name because I was really starting to get excited about the idea. And I came back. I said, well, here's my idea in terms of how I think we could fix this. And uh, I said, you know, we're going to build this marketplace. We'll call it bunking.com. And the way it would help to solve a problem like you guys are having is you'd go, you'd rent that place for 6,000 bucks. <clears throat> you'd come back to bunking. And when you get to bunking, one of you would decide to be the host or the organizer. First thing you do is you create what we call as a bunking pod. Now, a bunking pod is a group of people. And you would specify my bunking pod is for eight people. Um, the theme of my bunking pod is collaborative living for TikTokers if my daughter was the host. And then the host would pick the rules of their pod. So example, like my daughter would likely pick, you know, to get into our pod, you need to go to your bunking profile and get a successful criminal background check done. Mm. You need to go to your bunking profile and get a successful credit check done. Uh, you got to be double vaxxed. There's no smoking. So whatever rules that are important to her, she would put them in and then she would start to lay out the characteristics 
of the group that she basically wants to be with. So, you know, we're between 20 and 30, we're co-ed, um, we go to bed late, we all like to sleep in, we're a little bit rowdy, none of us cook, <laughs> whatever that is, you know, just so that it's like there's some cohesion there. And, yeah. um, and then start to lay out whatever the accommodations are, whether it's a public space like a, a hammock or a couch uh, or a shared space like a couple of bunk beds or a private room with a nice king bed. So in bunking, literally you can set up the availability of all of those sleeping accommodations and have different rates. So that's kind of what bunking is. So, you know, another example I use, which I think is, is a good one, Will, is uh, we have a lot of students coming in here from India. Uh, a lot of them have worked for us and I hear their stories. So they come here from India, they're young, they don't know the language, they don't know the culture. Their parents have paid somebody a couple thousand dollars in rent. They really don't know if it's a scam or not half the time. Mm. So with bunking, they could look for a bunking pod with people of similar language, with people of similar culture. The money gets paid into escrow until they show up. So, you know, we're solving a real problem. And I think at the end of the day, what we ended up building was kind of like a dating app, you know, take like a Bumble or something yeah. like that, take a hostel. And then take an accommodations platform like a VRBO and Airbnb, and we kind of, we're kind of mashed up. So we're not an accommodations platform. We're really more of a social platform that helps connect like-minded people for shared living or shared travel. A little bit. It's like kind of like almost like a marketplace that sits on top of a lot of these other marketplaces. Well, and it's so much more curated, right? Like you're not just. You know, I, I think the, and I don't know if I told you this on our um, catch up in Mexico, but when I was in Mexico, I would have definitely signed up for a bunking pod because I think the one thing I'm, as I'm growing older and getting more self-aware, not that I'm not self-aware and whatever, but like the, I thought a solo trip to Mexico would be great. Realizing like I would actually loved to have some company of remote workers that are entrepreneurs that content creators, whatever that may be. Um, but I was there by myself for a month. I had my roommates or friends come for a week. Uh, yeah. but after they left, it was like, all right, I have to like figure out this whole new language, um, and this whole new city and culture by myself and no help other than Google translate. Right. Yeah. 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 So I think it's, it's, it gives the, it gives you more more uh, customization than like Airbnb would when you can just add filters, right? Like, because with Airbnb, you have to have a group or you have to be a, ready to be a solo traveler if you're used to it, right? Like, you have to have those things in place. Where I think for what I've been seeing lately is that we're craving a lot more experience throughout everyday life rather than just, you know, planned vacations or planned this. So something like this is allowing that experience to happen daily with a new group with a curated group um and i think you guys definitely solved the problem and kudos to your your daughter who is able to call out the axe murder stuff first uh i find that one to be the most important because that would have been my biggest fear too um but i also love that you you kind of broke into three uh segments is bumble airbnb and a hostile type environment um so for our host, my first question kind of comes into, um, for a host of a bunking pod, how do you price and manage the calendars of these different accommodation pieces inside that one home or yurt or 
treehouse or whatever that may be. How do you manage all of that within the bunking platform? This episode is brought to you by my friends at Hostfully. And if you're a property manager anywhere in the country, then you definitely need to look at joining Hostfully for their property management software or their digital guidebooks. Because we all know that streamlining your operations as a property management company or a host can be super difficult and time consuming. And this is the tool that helps you take care of that and earn back time from your day and to actually have a life. So if you haven't already, go to hostfully.com, use my code slick talk 20 and make sure that you have that ready to go because it will be a game changer for you so go ahead go to the link in the show notes hostfully.com use code slick talk 20 and enjoy having some time back in your life and now back to the episode yeah it's a great question so uh, I mean, when you go on the marketplace, we have a four-step process to help create a bunking mm-hmm. pod. Um, and in there, you would put in, you know, your different areas where they're sleeping and you define it either as public, private, or shared. Um, mm-hmm. And it'll allow you to, you know, if you have four beds in a room, you can put four beds in a room. Um, you can uh, have rates or you can have the software suggest rates. So basically tell tell you know, the, in the posting process, you can indicate if, you know, if you don't own the place and you're renting it from somebody else, you could say, well, here's my cost. And it'll actually suggest a daily, weekly, monthly rate for all of the different rooms. And I think, I think what's unique with bunking and what I keep hearing, well, it, I mean, it, it was, it ended up being more of a safety thing because when we mm-hmm. did early research, we found out that 60% of people who stay in hostels are women. And when you talk to the women, it's not because they love hostels. It's because there's safety in numbers. And then when you ask them, like, what's the scariest part about a hostel? Well, they, you know, it's like Russian roulette every time they go to bed because they don't know who they're sleeping next to. So that's their biggest concern. Mm. So what we did with bunking is if you're in a shared room, uh, each bed is managed differently. So you can have a different price for bottom bunk and top bunk. Uh, but before somebody books a bed in a shared room, they can see the profiles of the people in the other beds before they make that decision. So I think it's really important. But bunking literally manages the inventory. So when you build a bunking pod, you can say minimum stay is three days or minimum stay is full duration. Um, and it'll totally manage that availability for you. So right down to if somebody's doing a global search, and you only have like one of 10 beds available uh, in that search query, your bed will show up. Wow. Yeah. So it can, it can go as big or as detailed as you want it to be for a traveler or for a host. Um, on the guest screening side, can can I ask like how did you guys build out – like I, I'm not a tech person. I interview a lot of tech founders. I, I go through the whole thing, but to, to get into screening, you know, we have good friends at, um, auto hosts and safely and all these other uh, companies out in the space. But for you guys, what was the like criteria that needed to be matched in order to be approved for a bunking pod as a, as a host or a traveler? Yeah. So I think one of the first things we decided is we wanted the platform to be very accessible. So you can, and we'll probably talk about it after, but you can be in public mode or private mode when you build a bunking pod. So if you're in public mode, that means it shows up on the marketplace. 
so anybody can go on the marketplace, have a look around, uh, but as soon as they want to either message a host or check availability or look at somebody's profile, uh, they have to sign up and it's a four-step verification process uh, that we're using. Akata is the platform that we're currently using to do that. Um, and it's a well-known platform. So we're basically making sure that people are real and they've got a mm -hmm. kind of a, a footprint or a fingerprint or whatever you want to say, kind of, you know, in the social world, I guess you would say. So that's what it's checking. So, and we set a minimum score to allow them in. Uh, so I, I'd say that's kind of like the first barrier that we have. Uh, the other thing we have is if somebody's looking at a bunking pod, uh, especially going back to like my daughter, which is really the target persona. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a women's safety score of zero out of 100. So they get to see that. So that area, they get a sense, like a lady would get to see how safe is that, right? So I think that's an, another important factor. You're getting to see other people's profile. Once you, once you uh, request to join a pod and you're in a pod, now you can see people's profiles. Uh, so you're getting to know people, which I think, gives you kind of a level of feeling safer, right? So at least you've got yeah. a sense. And if you want to join a pod where the host has made it a rule that, hey, nobody can join my pod without having a successful criminal background check done in their bunking profile. There's a lot of people with our research that showed, yeah, like they would want to only join pods where they know everybody's been vetted uh, from that standpoint. So it's kind of like another level of protection right so mm -hmm. so there's all and again you know the bed thing that we put in so i think safety is probably like the biggest thing because when we did early research like we spent eight weeks just almost looking on facebook groups um like who's trying to get together basically for sleepovers so for shared living mm -hmm. or shared travel what groups are they so we found like 12 main groups and about 110 we call them subcategories. So think people with accessibility issues, think vegans, think yoga, language, religion, culture. Like there's all these reasons people are trying to get together. But the biggest problem they have is trust uh, on these platforms. And so I think for us, our big biggest challenge, and I, th I think we're doing a good job at it, is, is, mm -hmm. is giving people a feeling of trust. And we have reviews and recommendations and things like that. Uh, so uh, I, I actually just wrote down in my notebook uh, that in early 2020, I was one of the first first people in my group of friends or colleagues to say shared accommodation is dead. No one's ever no going to want to live with. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I remember yeah. just being like, oh, no one like because I remember a big thing with Airbnb was that people would house hack, right? They would buy this or not buy. They would rent this big you know house with let's say 10 bedrooms and they put as many beds in every bedroom that they could do. And they would create kind of like a bunking pod, but they were more or less just create a segment of the house to rent out and they rent out individual, you know, bunk beds, whatever. And one, it wasn't vetted. Cause like we, I love Airbnb, but you know, their you know, host guarantee and all their other insurance and guest screening. Like it's, it's not really that great as an Airbnb host myself. Like, we have had plenty of guests that had plenty of five star reviews that were just horrible people. Um, so it's, it's, it says that it's there, but it's not. Um, and so in the first early days of 2020, I was like, yeah, co living, like all of this stuff gone, never coming back. No one's ever going to want to do it. But now 
from your guys' standpoint, you have the data, you have the research, you have the feedback that this is really, I think, being away for so long. And, you know, COVID, the lockdowns weren't as extensive as they probably could be. You know, people in China are still heavily, heavily quarantined. So um, I can only imagine once that kind of restriction or that restriction kind of deviates a little bit, uh, we'll see probably a bigger increase. But um, you guys have been able to see that people are really looking forward to this sense of adventure, not just with their friends and family that they love, because let's be honest, friends and family that we love may not be on the same agenda that we want to do, right? Where it's like, I'm single with no kids. I can afford to travel, live, work remote. Um, yeah, my parents, you know, my mom and dad both work at a job that you have to be present for, right? So like you have to, you have to be at work. You have to clock in, uh, versus us where it's like, I, I'm, I'm pretty much clocked in when I wake up, but I can do it anywhere where I wake up. Um, so you guys were able to see that. What was, was that a shock to you guys in order to, to see that there was a actual response and community of travelers that are looking and and craving for something like this. Yeah. You know what? Like, I think it's kind of a shock every day because I talk to like every day we're talking to more people and it's, it's a huge community. Like there's a lot of people doing like shared living, shared travel. Uh, People have great stories and people have not so great stories, but it's, I mean, it's a big community. I think, you know, without COVID, I don't know. I don't know if this would have worked in North America. I think it would have worked fine in Australia, yeah. UK, you know, Dubai. Um, and because when we talk about, when I talk to people over there about bunking, I mean, I mean, they're, they almost do double takes because that's a way of life. <laughs> and this is, you know, this is just going to make their lives better. Uh, where, yeah. you know, this is just kind of, we're starting to have this freedom, I guess, in North America where, you know, and we've got this mobility and, you know, we've also, I mean, that's all the good side. We've also got a housing crisis, right? Yeah. We've also got a crisis where, where, where people need to live with other people. And we think bunking can help with that. We've got a loneliness crisis. People are lonely. People are like, I mean, people are getting ill. People are dying. Um, there's like loneliness ministers. I think the UK just got their first one, but it's like, it's a real wow. problem. And again, we think bunking can help with that. So you know, so there's a lot of fun stuff we can do, which which we're super excited about, like the travel and all that stuff. But there's also a lot of humanitarian things we can do just to help. So we're very yeah. excited about that as well. 100%. And as a person who has struggled with depression and anxiety and all this stuff, like I totally um, think, you know, that it's it's very interesting. And like I know a lot of people talk about it. Like you were so used to that instant dopamine hit, right? When we wake up, we check our phone and we have notifications. And when we post on Instagram or LinkedIn or TikTok, like we're instantly looking for the the reaction, right? Like there's all these things, but still that I, I just don't know if we'll ever get to the point where like, I don't know, in-person stuff for me will never replace that, even though that's something that instant hit is what we always look for. Um, and so I think like when you have that ability to balance, you know, heavily balance, I would say, uh, in order to have, yes, it's 
cool to be on your phone and to, to have that freedom of creativity, whether it's creating a TikTok or having a community, um, maybe a virtual happy hour or whatever that may be. But you definitely need that in-person ability to turn Ooh. off, right? You need to be able to process emotion, to process thoughts, and uh, to process like not even process, just to have a community of real life. Um, not that your connections online aren't real. I've met, uh, you know, October was a big month for me uh, when I got to meet people that I haven't met in person for the last two years and to see that they're a real person and to carry through that it only enhance the relationship. Um, so for you guys, when it comes to um, creating this community, where what's what's the big, like how big can this get? Like, I, I think, you know, you kind of mentioned about the housing crisis and stuff like, and, you know, we're definitely experiencing heavily inflation, um, with all, can you see me? Yep. Okay. Okay. How big can this get? Um, Yeah. How big can this get for the overall travel community outside of kind of the certain touch points that you just kind of talked about? Yeah, I mean, so we're, there's three buckets we focus on. So um, with bunking, so shared living, so roommate living is basically one. Um, Travel and retreats is another. And then work remotely. So those are really the three buckets that we're focused on um, to get started. And, you know, the more we look into it, I think just the more excited we get in terms of like, there's a lot of businesses like you start, we, you know, we started Ruckify to rent anything marketplace. Um, our biggest problem there was changing consumer behavior, which is really hard to do, get people to adopt. And I think with bunking, the difference is I don't think we're changing anybody's behavior. We're just kind of making it a little bit better. So we're helping mm-hmm. people along and it's like, we're not inventing anything. People have been doing this yeah. forever. You know, we're adding in a little process, we're adding in a little technology. Um, we're, we're still allowing as much freedom as, you know, we think, and, and we're listening to that community, like, you know, passionately listen to that community to get feedback, to say like, how can we make this better? So yeah, we think, uh, we're super excited. I mean, to, to say how big can it get, you know, you, the rubber's got to touch the road. Uh, we, we've all got dreams, we've all got fantasies and we've all got crazy projections, but I think when the rubber hits the road and when we're a couple of months in and we kind of just when we're feeling that kind of market acceptance, like, you know, like that's kind of, that's when we'll really get a sense of how big this thing can be. So for sure. Well, and and it's, uh, it's rare for the, for the audience that's listening. Uh, It's rare for us to interview a founder uh, pre real launch, right? Like this is uh, the, the, the very beginning stages. uh, Well, not very beginning, but very early on stages of, of the company and the concept. But um, you know, I did find it really fascinating because you guys launched bunking ventures uh, where you're actually going to be buying these properties, these co-living you know, you're, you uh, I think it was Costa Rica, right? Where you guys just bought um, your first property. Yeah, well, we're we're under contract. It hasn't closed yet, so it's a boutique hotel. But the idea, really, with Bunking Ventures is uh, when we started Bunking, we knew we wanted to raise money, but we didn't want to raise VC money. Uh, we wanted to be able to build the company. I would say, like, you know, I hate to use the word slow, but maybe cautious is a better word. So we want to be able to build it 
without a lot of pressure, be able to iterate, listen to the community and really, really get it right before we put fuel on the fire. And I think that's, that's just not, you know, when VCs give you money, like they're giving you the fuel. Yeah. They want you to go right now and, and you're maybe making one, maybe two bets. So we really wanted to stay away from that. Um, so how do we raise money? So we thought, well, if we start buying destination real estate, um, boutique hotels, like kind of six bedrooms to 20 bedrooms, that like could be a big house or whatever, uh, already generating yeah. revenue. We buy it, we convert it to a shared living model. So right away we got a 30 to 40% revenue bump. And then a lot of these destination locations are busy, you know, like the, the peak seasons are because of great weather and they've got this shoulder season that they've got a hard time filling. And because bunking, we're basically, we have 110 different communities, right? Group interest groups that we have on the platform. We think that we can fill these places uh, in the shoulder seasons with these different interests. So, you know, increase the rates, increase utilization, better ROI, and then we can take that cash flow, bring it back in and help pay for our technology business. So it's kind of like, it's not, bunking is a marketplace and the properties we yeah. own on bunking ventures will be insignificant, you know, compared to the inventory that'll be there, but it'll kind of be a good way to help kind of feed the monster. Yeah, to feed the monster. I like that term. I'll definitely be using that one for the future. Um, no, it's just super cool. Um, I, the conversation comes to mind uh, with this guy that we had on our morning show called Pat, uh, who's been a digital nomad for like 15 or no, it's not 15 years since 2015. Um, and I think like just from your guys's understanding with this community, you know, I'm, I'm understanding that you guys have learned so much from them, right? They're giving you so much feedback. Um, has there been a piece of feedback or advice or a suggestion or even an idea from this community that has kind of been like, oh my gosh, like we never thought about that. Um, especially coming from like, you know, if you'd never done remote travel, remote living uh, before, like let's say your daughter, you know, has been uh, where you guys are for most of her whole life has done a couple weeks here, maybe at the most, but never been a digital nomad person for, you know, 2015. Um, anything that kind of took you by surprise that actually was like, Oh, we never thought about that. Well, I think the one, you know, where I talked about it earlier, where, you know, somebody's going into a shared room, being able to look at the profiles of other people before they booked that room that that came from early research and that was really yeah. from people that stayed at hostels women and you know yeah. trying to really how can we make that a better experience um you know a lot of the product is i mean you know the way we tell the story it sounds all very simple but it's been like an iteration a lot of design thinking a lot of research so we've already made a lot of changes. Like, you know, when you join a pod, you join a chat. People really want to get, to, we did a bunking beta early la, or mid last year. So we kind of simulated what a bunking pod would be like. And we had nine strangers to get together and we were able to learn from that. So that, you know, the fact that they all got to meet each other on Slack at the time, because we didn't have the technology yeah. was huge. So six of the nine people were really anxious about going. The, it was a, 20 to 30 year old group co-ed uh it was a remote work session uh no drinking so we tried to have like a theme we tried to have rules we tried to have characteristics and the six people that were you know 
like very anxious about sharing a room or going. Uh, I went on the last day and none of them wanted to leave. They just had a reunion maybe a month ago. And what's really cool is not only would they, every single one of them go back to a bunking pod, they would host a bunking pod, which to wow. me was beyond my wildest expectations. So, you know, yeah, Sophia, I mean, you know, like the pro, like really when you see the product, it's not us building the product. It's the communities that we're talking to that are guiding us. We had the general idea, like gave my daughter and son want to go, you know, they can't afford this place by themselves. So yeah, you know, how can we get people to pitch in and help? That was kind of the, the general thing. Then you get into design thinking and you start doing user interviews and testing out different mocks and different things. And that's how you get your feedback. So yeah, so you know, we talked like Shopify reached out a while. You know, are you going to do this? You know, a couple of things they want. Um, big things like book now, pay later. Some people can't mm. afford to do what they want to do. Uh, pets, you know, pets are a big thing. Ever, you know, people have a hard time traveling with their pets, and a lot of people want to travel with their pets. So we'll offer pet insurance through the platform. You can get pet insurance on Bunking, right? So those kind of things. So yeah, that's I don't really interesting. Like, not one aha, like there's not one kind of nugget yeah. I can give you. Like it's just, just it's basically everything. Yeah, no, that's super cool. And I love the beta program. Like just to hear that they were, none of them wanted to leave. They're having their reunions. Like that's the real power of travel and the, the ability of hospitality, right? Like I just think it's so cool that they get to experience something so like the anxiety going into an unknown pod of people. Like it's like a reality TV show, right? Like you're like going on lost or something. It's just like you get thrown to the wolves and you don't know who you're with. And, um, and to then to hear on the other side that they're really like, they've had a bigger takeaway with that community and that relationship, uh, than anything. Um, and of course, and willing to turn what, it was six people or how many people was it? There were nine you people. Six of them had anxiety, like big time so anxiety do- about going. Well, now you just turn nine people into nine other hosts for other, you know, communities that could potentially form anywhere around the world. So, yeah, that's a pretty big impact. And I think helping people, right? Because if you look at the world right now, we're all, we all have more anxiety. We're all a little more lonely than we were before. So Mm -hmm. with bunking, I think we kind of create this on-ramp for people back into society because, you know, you get to kind of pick that you're going to join people with a specific theme. You get to see the rules. You get to see kind of the characteristics. So you're really kind of comfortable going in before you're in. It's not like you're joining a tour yeah. or a travel group and it's, you know, you're only going to find out when you get there. And then you get to chat with them online. So you kind of get to know, you know, so there, it's like for us, it's like a lot about easing anxiety. And we look at yeah. down the road, you know, we look at like passports and work visas and, you know, just it's like when somebody's sitting on the couch and they think, well, you know what? I think I want to travel. Okay. That's where like when that thought hits somebody's mind, that's where bunking comes yeah. in. And it's like us looking at that process and saying, how do we take anxiety out of that process? How do we help that person? have an amazing experience and want to do it like a thousand times again. So that's kind of, that's right now we're focused just on the booking process and in the pod, but over time we're going to start, you know, we want to be right when that person's on the couch and that little inkling of an idea kind of appears in their head 
and then we'll take them through the journey and make sure that it's a good one. I love that. Um, Steve, out of all the years of entrepreneurship um, from multiple different businesses, uh, I can't imagine, you know, starting from a window cleaner, realizing you're scared of heights to be like, all right, I need to grow this thing. So I never have to get on that ladder again. Um, so what's the biggest like takeaway lessons that you've had over however many years you've been doing this? What's, what's the number one thing that you always reflect on when it comes to the journey, whether it's been a successful one or unsuccessful that you say, you know, I could always say that this has been truth, you know, thick and thin. I think it's, well, two things. I don't know that they're successful and not successful. That's all in the way you view it because mm-hmm. you're always learning, right? Nobody can take that away from you. And that's part of the journey. So we're always having success as long as we're using that in the future. Um, but I think the thing that sticks with me the most and really figured it out after our son passed was, uh, yeah, there's always a way. You can always find a way. So, you know, if you're willing to put in the work and you want to stick with it, uh, it may not be the way you first planned it, but there's always a way. So I think that's the biggest takeaway. I love that. That's good. Good advice. Um, The last question we always like to ask every guest on the show is if you had one link, and I'm assuming I already know what it is, but if you had one link to send anybody that's listening that wants to find out more about you, bunking, anything you guys are doing, what would it be? Obviously, we're going to include more than just one link on the show notes, but if you had one that you want anyone listening to to choose, what would it be? Bunking.com. Yeah, bunking.com. You can find us there. We'd love your feedback. You know, we're not, we haven't figured this thing out completely. So if anybody goes on bunking.com, you have an experience on bunking, whatever it is, we'd love your feedback. Thank you. 100%. Yeah, of course. And I, so for all the listeners, I did get a tour of bunking. Uh, on the back end, I did get to do a walkthrough as a potential host, as a potential traveler. Um, I got to ask my, my very intriguing questions, uh, like, how does this work? Uh, explain more, you know, super intriguing and detailed. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was really nice. Uh, I had a, a great walkthrough. It definitely made me even feel comfortable. I was like, I could definitely host a bunking pod one day. So uh, I could definitely tell that in the future, once you guys are fully launched and ready, uh, there might be a podcast bunk pod popping up on your, uh, on your awesome. platform there. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Steve, so much for joining me. And for all the slick talkers out there, check out, like, and subscribe everything in the show notes. And of course, we'll see you all again next week. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our show partners for making slick talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoy the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week. In hotels and vacation rentals, the top complaints or issues are noise, garbage, and parking. I may not be able to solve all of your parking and garbage problems, but I could definitely help with your noise problems. And that actually might just help your garbage and parking problems too.
So NoiseAware is the only 100% privacy safe noise monitoring solution that property managers and owners can use in order to ensure they avoid parties and other issues happening at their property. You won't get notified when a plate breaks, but if you have a little quiet get together that kind of gets out of hand like this, then NoiseAware will give you the peace of mind to ensure that you and your property and of course, your profits are protected. So use my code SLICKTALK20 to get 20% off of all noise monitoring devices and focus on the other important things that help you run your business. Now, thank you for checking out Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Get back to the episode. And don't forget to check out NoiseAware while you're listening.